Good afternoon. The Board of Trustees regular meeting is now called to order at 4.34 p.m. We welcome members of the public. We had one member of the public here. Um, on, uh, item, uh, instructions on making public comment are noted uh, in item one of the agenda, and we will ask at each item whether or not there is public comment. Catherine, will you please do roll call? Uh, yes, sir. Trustee Olson. Thank you. Trustee Olson. Oh, you're not. You're not um, amplified. Here, sorry. Trustee Kishinev. Here, no, we all heard you. Uh, student Trustee Alejandro Martinez. Here. Tr uh, trustee Baker. Here. Yeah, and we have absent Trustee Rios, Trustee Iverson, and Trustee DeLuna. Trustee Dodd. Yes, and I, I know Trustee Luna is not going to be joining us, but I assume Rios and Iverson will be here. Uh, DeLuna is excused um, being sick today. Okay, thank you. Um, would our student trustee please lead the Pledge of Allegiance? Sure. I should have told you before. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. As we gather here today, it is important to acknowledge that Napa Valley College and the surrounding Napa Valley sit on the unceded traditional, ancestral, and contemporary homelands of the Miwok, Patwin, who are composed of three federally recognized tribes, the Kashil Dihi Band of Winton Indians of the Calusa Indian Community, the Kletzel Dihi Band of Winton Indians, and the Yochadehi Winton Nation, and Wapo, including the Mishiwa Wapo, also known as the Onastis people. As part of the Napa Valley College's mission of preparing students for evolving roles in a diverse, dynamic, and interdependent world, and in accordance with the college's values of honesty, integrity, inclusivity, and respect for others, we make this acknowledgement. We also affirm that this acknowledgement is insufficient. It does not undo the harm that has been and continues to be perpetuated against indigenous peoples, the land, and water. May we hold steady in our commitment to be in solidarity and in action to seek equity and justice with the Miwok, Patwin, and Wapo peoples. Are there any changes to the agenda? Thank you, Kevin. That's nice. Um, if none, any, uh, Trustee Kishinev, Trustee Baker, student trustee, Nada. Then we'll adopt the agenda by consensus, and the board at this time will devote up to 15 minutes to hear comments regarding closed session items, and comments will be limited to three minutes during that time. Catherine, are you aware of any public comment on closed session items? No, I have no public comment. Okay, and I am not aware of any either, and not seeing anybody in the crowd today that is raising their hand. At this time, the Board of Trustees will move into closed session covering public employee discipline, dismissal release, conference with labor negotiator um, 4.2, and then another conference with labor negotiators 4.3, uh, and also public employee performance evaluation. The board will return at 5.30 p.m. and show that the record is that Trustee Rios is here. We can begin the meeting. Let's see here. Okay. 
The board is returning back from closed session at 5.35 p.m. There is nothing to report from closed session. And we'll move on to item 6.1, recognition of newly tenured faculty. Uh, Dr. Mora? Thank you. Um, Catherine, would we be able to pull up that item? Thank you, 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 thank Okay, well, while we're while the while the 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 yeah, but good. Yeah, okay. Boring. Don't do anything. Okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm very pleased to introduce our newly tenured faculty members. They completed all of the requirements needed for their fourth year um, that they served in a tenure track capacity. And we have a brief uh, visual presentation. I can't see it on the, oh, do you see it on this one? Oh, but that's on here. Just pulled from the, on the. Okay. <laughs> All right, well. And this is frustrating, but in the big scheme of things, this is not a big deal. And uh, do you want it to be uh, put it to the side and, and move on? I'm, I'm happy to give it another minute to see the bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Do we need to display it? Because I can view it if I can verbally go through it. Does that oh, work? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. Thank you so much. So um, Professor Catherine Bosquet in psychology is the first uh, tenured faculty member that I'm introducing. We also have a tenured professor in nursing, Karen Kanepa, who's been uh, providing so much great leadership for that program as well. And in Spanish, Professor Diego Fernandez. For music, Professor Christina Howell. And have seen her at various um, presentations and events that we've had. And in nursing, another faculty member, Professor Megan McWilliams, and our HSM STEM counselor, Professor Patricia Posada. So those are the um, newly tenured faculty, and we're very proud to have them join our Napa Valley College family. Thank you. If you could tell, we did, what we did last year, which I thought was very fun, um is we took out all of our new, newly tenured uh, faculty members out for lunch and i thought it was like one of the 
yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun just to get to know everybody um, and have have the, the board, um, you know, pick pick up the check too. Um, just to make that clear, uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, going out for lunch. So, um, uh, Chrissy too, it'd be nice to have you. Uh, were you. Were you invited last year? Maybe it was just Dr. Tahada that was. <clears throat> Yeah, well, here's the deal. Well, we haven't sent out an invitation yet. You are invited. Here's this is your invitation. Uh, that, that'd be good to know. So maybe if you could pass that around to the extent, sure. um, you know, those folks are in the same room together. And we'll just we'll get in touch with them. Doesn't need to be tomorrow or anything like that. But we'll do it this year for sure. Absolutely, that sounds great. And I don't know if for the for the purposes of the public, if it might be worth just scrolling through. There are some beautiful pictures accompanying uh, <laughs> our faculty members' names and titles. <clears throat> And these are all uh, amazing and wonderful people that I've been fortunate to work with for my six months here. So I'm proud to present them to the board. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dr. Mora. And congratulations to all our new, newly tenured faculty too. We will move on to our consent calendar. Are there any changes or comments on consent? Um, CNN, I will ask if there is public comment before I take a vote. Uh, no public comment. Thank you very much, Catherine. Um, thank you very much, Trustee Iverson. And I'll second. Thank you, Trustee Olson, for your second, Trustee Iverson for your motion, and Trustee Olson for the second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Passes unanimously. We will move on to 9.1. And we have some very exciting uh, language uh, to read out, formal legal language um, that I will summarize after my legal language. Um, uh, but this is a re uh, requirement of an oral summary before the board takes formal action. So this is an action item which requires a vote. Um, and we See, a legislative body is uh, required to provide an oral summary of recommendation for a final action on the salaries, salary schedules, and compensation paid in the form of fringe benefits of local agency executives during an open meeting in which the board will take final action. Um, for this action item 9.1, uh, there is a recommendation to approve the employee agreement of the superintendent. The term of the agreement is a new three-year term uh, commencing July 1, 2023 to June 30, 2026. The salary includes a 7% increase from current salary to $253,590 and includes the same health and welfare benefits, holidays and leaves as other management employees. The employment also includes a relocation allowance of 1650 per month through June 30, 2024. Move approval. Thank you. Um, Catherine, do we have any public comment on this item? No, we do not. We have a, a motion from Trustee Baker and a second from Trustee Iverson in any discussion. Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Uh, employment agreement is adopted unanimously. And, and Dr. Powell, this is just really a, a testament um, of all your hard work over the past year, really doing exactly what you said you were going to do. Um, smoothing out our budget, but most importantly, I think really uh, bringing the campus community together. I think everybody has really seen that in the past year. And I know you'd be the first one to say that there is a lot more work to do, 
but I know that's uh, why you're really excited um, for this new opportunity and a new uh, extension uh, of uh, your current employment here at the college. Um, I just really want to say thank you. Uh, it's been a, a very, very fun year. Um, it's been a busy year and the work I think that we're getting into as we, we transition into this next year is really focused on uh, right where we need to be, which is student success, um, helping us to really create opportunities for our students. Uh, last year, I think, was really you know foundational work to help us build on what uh, the team and I are already actively engaged in. I do appreciate your continued support. I'm humbled by it. And you know, thank you. Looking forward to continuing the work and, uh, and moving forward in this new contract. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Powell. We will move on to a public hearing item 13.1, uh, adoption of our 23-24 uh, final budget. Mr. Reeves. Thank you, President Dodd. I'm, uh, thank you. Is our technology up to speed? Great. I'll take credit for fixing it since <laughs> Trustee Olson had something to do with making it go wrong. <laughs> no, you're going to have to move over. Thanks. Jim, Let me just um, preface this presentation uh, with um, a change, two slight changes at the uh, at the presentation to the audit and finance committee on Tuesday, I indicated that we that we had to uh, make a we had to correct some information in the budget related to part time salaries, which I've done, and I've also there's a minor correction in this narrative about a statutory date, which I consider a minor matter. But if you go home and compare the two, you'll come back to me and say I found something different. So uh, this is this is the final presentation. This is the narrative. Could you scroll uh, scroll it for me, Catherine? Table of contents essentially um, is self uh, self evident here. We talk about uh, um, uh, the whys, uh, the wheres, how we well, how we arrived here, and some notes to particular funds. Next slide, please. Fiscal budget, the final budget for 2324 is required by California Education Code. The final budget is prepared for the Board of Trustees review and approval not later than September 15th. That was my correction. Uh, Trustee Baker is way, uh, saying, yes, I, I noted that and I was going to bring it up. The adoption of the final budget provides statutory authorization to sustain financial and operational commitments to advance the mission of the institution. The final budget has been prepared through a deliberative process with contributions from budget operating units, area councils, the planning and budget committee, and the president's cabinet. Source documents for this work include AP 6200, the budget development memorandum, and the budget values and assumptions document, which is included uh, in the budget document itself. The budget work group reviewed the draft final budget, providing feedback regarding assumptions and projections. A campus budget forum was convened on September 7th uh, to present the draft final budget and solicit feedback. The budget committee was convened on September 7th to provide feedback to the campus budget, to provide feedback to the, to the campus budget, excuse me, the budget committee and make a recommendation to the superintendent president. And this past Tuesday, we made a presentation to the, um, to the audit and finance committee. So they are well prepared to continue this presentation. 
The final budget is presented utilizing the best information available today. Should material changes to the budget become necessary or apparent, such changes and recommended actions would be presented to the budget committee for a recommendation to the superintendent president and on back to you uh, for any, uh, any changes to this budget. Next slide, please. Here are planning assumptions. As you can see, we I tried to provide a trend of how we're doing in terms of enrollments. This is this is an indicator of what our variable costs for part-time faculty will be. So you can see that in 2021 we had actual FTEs of 4,021, and moving down to 2324 projected of 3073 FTEs. So what it's saying is we've decreased in enrollment. But our assumption this year is for flat enrollments compared to last year. The reality is, Dr. Mora may reflect on this later, is that we're seeing a slight increase in enrollments. Um, so that's a good sign. But our initial planning assumption was for flat enrollments. Our anticipated material changes in our revenue, our county property tax base revenues are reported to increase by 8.16% a fairly healthy increase in, in county taxes. This results in about a 5.17% increase in property tax revenue to Napa Valley uh, Community College District. A slight decrease in state appropriations-based revenue. We still have some state appropriations, uh, mostly based on enrollments. Uh, we'll see a slight decrease in that. That'll be offset to, uh, to some extent by the state's uh, ability to continue a COLA increase at about 8.22%. Revenue realized from the lease of the portion of the Upper Valley Campus and St. Helena's included and reduced other financing sources on the budget sheet uh, reflect a discontinuance of her funds that we could utilize in Fund 11 and a DAS contribution. Next slide, please. Our planning assumptions are changes in costs associated with employee benefits, excuse me, salary and benefits. Uh, we saw an 8% increase in faculty salaries per the CBA in place with a base property tax increase exceeding 7.49%. Recall that the base uh, increase was 8.16%. So that, uh, that entitled faculty under their CBA to a, an 8% increase in uh, salaries. The faculty Jim, I'm so sorry to interrupt you right in the middle, but just on that point in terms of your last slide, comparing that with the increase that the college, it wasn't a commensurate 8% increase in base property tax to the college. It was only a 5% point something, 5.1% increase. Why, why do we have that disparity? Because the, the, the base rate in, uh, that the, that the um, county collects is factored based on the um, agency that receives the funds. So there are 30 plus agencies that receive these funds in the county and uh, it's factored. So I, uh, we, we receive, um, I'm not, I can't repeat, I think it was about 0.78% of, of the portion of that received. So you have the school district, you have the libraries, you have all the public agencies and for reasons, uh, I don't know how that's decided, but our factor uh, gives us about a five point one seven percent increase in our last year's um, allocation. Does, does the factor fluctuate year to year? It it has been static for a little bit. It was pointed out to us recently that it had a little bit of a change, 
Um, but I can't tell you why it changed, but it's been typically fairly static. And again, I don't know how that factor is determined if it's a, if it's a a factor that's voted on, um, but it's, it's a way to weigh the contribution to all of these agencies to, to dictate the, the portion of that increase that they'll receive. And, so just, and then just to be clear, too, on terms of the, the, the faculty reopener on that piece, it was based on property tax increase, not the actual increase in property tax revenues that the college would would obtain. Yes, just to be clear, yeah. your, your first sentence is absolutely correct, that the increase in the base rate that the, that the county received is what's linked to the CBA for faculty. Right. Right. Okay. The 5.16% is the increase in how much money we received. So we received from the four- previous year. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt you. And I just wanted to point out that the faculty CBA prompts a reopener at post 7.49%. And that conversation has begun. But I, I just want to stress here that there is, there is nothing reflected in this budget that anticipates what that reopener might look like, what what terms and conditions may come out of that reopener. Permanent, permanent classified salary increases are at 3.5% per the CBA. Administrator confidential salary increases are at 3.5% as a follow along. We have increases in PERS contribution at uh, just slightly over uh, a percent and a half. STRS is flat at 19.10%. Included in the budget are what we call step and column adjustments based on seniority and and promotion and out of ca- class pay is also included. Next slide, please. Our changes in costs in uh, in twenty three twenty four. Our SERP two uh, started on July first, um, and we had eighteen participants. Um, our anti- anticipated annual SERP savings is, is about $450,000 net um, net of our costs for the annuity over five years with minimal rehires. Changes in section offerings. Again, this is a reflection of our variable costs um, in, in, um, in, in teaching. You can see from, 20, uh, from 2020 to 2021, our sections were around 1179 for fall and spring semesters. They dropped off obviously through the pandemic and have begun to bounce back in 23-24 at 1050 sections and those are projected. Our costs associated with part-time faculty salaries um, in 22-23 are about $3.9 million. If we are in fact going to be, our, our initial projection was for flat enrollments, our projection would be essentially the same dollars, adding 8% per the CBA for faculty salaries to, to the tune of $4.3 million in, in part-time salaries. Next slide, please. Our methodology, our revenues are, as I, we mentioned, based on the county increase of 8.16%. Uh, over the 2324 uh, rate, uh, resulting in a 5.17% increase in property tax revenue to the district. Changes in state revenues are reflected per the Chancellor's Office advanced apportionment schedule. Uh, local revenues are based upon the average of actual receipts over the past two years, and other financing sources are, are equal to anticipated revenues for the upcoming year. Generally speaking, we have projected our costs 
generally speaking, at a two-year average, plus uh, um, plus a uh, an inflation increase of around three percent. Our expenditures, uh, we talked about salaries. Benefits are driven by our payroll numbers. Operating expenses have been reviewed and adjusted based on spend rates and recent experience. Again, about two years of activity plus uh, cost of uh, inflation rate. Requests for budget augmentation are under review and we've earmarked an amount for budget augmentation. OPEB increases, other post-employment benefits include medical costs for retirees in addition to SERP-1 and SERP-2 annuity costs. So you'll see a slight bump in the, in the cost for OPEB. Okay. OPEB, by the way, are included when we, when we look to the percentage of our budget that we devote to uh, salaries and benefits. Next slide, please. The challenges the institution, the district is faced with respect to staffing appropriately relative to our enrollments was brought to light by the FICMATS study and, and studies provided by our own faculty and staff a few years ago. What we attempted to do is provide you a comparison between what that staffing was prior to the efforts to reduce staff. So if, when you look at August 21, that was prior to the, any efforts to reduce staff and August 23, which is last month. So what this tells you is it's a comparison of staffing levels prior to SERP 1, 821, and after SERP 2, 823. Far left column, excuse me, the numeric column, you'll notice this is a total. Uh, you'll see that the headcount in August of 21 was 310, or for an F, a full-time equivalent of 300. If you drop down just below that in the total for 23, you'll notice that we dropped in, in headcount from uh, 310 and 21 to 202, excuse me, 262 in, in 23. This is largely a measure of two things, the SERP and a very careful review of open positions when people have left for any reason. If you move one uh, column, numeric column to the left under fund 11, this is the fund that gets the most attention. You'll see that um, in 21, we had um, a headcount of 254, and then uh, down below in 23, a headcount of 205. Now, just for a point of clarity, why, why would we measure August? Why would we not measure July? Because August is when all of our faculty contracts are in place. July is just, uh, typically classified uh, contracts. So that's why you're, we're seeing August comparison to August comparison. So it's showing you essentially what our staff, what our staffing has done over the course of essentially two years and the work um, that has been put in place to, to evaluate and, uh, and look at resizing our staffing complement to meet our student body size. Next slide, please. Here are six strategic goals. I think uh, most of you have seen these uh, several times. Um, what we've done is, is the request for budgets or budget priorities, we, we align with these particular goals. Uh, and we'll note those as we look at um, the commitments we've made in our budget. Thank you. Our priorities, we developed a budget memorandum a few years ago 
to put a finer point at what we're trying to accomplish institutionally uh, in this budget cycle. And here are the priorities we, we attempted to accomplish. First, student equity support and success. Be sure that we're devoting resources and have resources to uh, address that, uh, that very important initiative. Those are funds primarily from state equity funds. Our second priority is the 50% law. If you've been around more than a few weeks, you know that the 50% law has been a, a, a top agenda item, certainly for Dr. Powell and others. Um, so we're working to um, uh, make progress there. Uh, in 2020, 2021, our 50% law, it was at 41.97%. Last year at 42, and this year uh, at close, pre-close at 45.22%. We're showing progress here. But I don't see us getting there next week uh, and perhaps not for another year or, or, or more, but we are making progress there. <coughs> Excuse me. I do want to emphasize that, that when, when I reflect on 22, 23 numbers, they are at a pre-close. Pre-close meaning they haven't been audited yet. And as I'll reflect on a little later, as I looked at numbers last night, even the pre-close was, was a little different than I reported in a good way, but a little different because they're pre-close and they're, and they're still going through some, some uh, work in terms of adjustments. Employee salaries and benefits we spoke about is another priority. Investments in technology we have reflected on extensively, and you'll see a, an increase in our, in our commitment to technology, both in managed services and in hardware. Uh, as, as a priority. Student outreach and marketing, efforts to re-engage students in, back to the institution, certainly post-pandemic, are, uh, uh, are considered a priority. And then our fund balance, our reserves, what that looks like uh, it, it has been a priority. So I didn't change this number. It's gone down a little bit, and I'll explain that in just a moment. So that's I didn't catch that correction. Next slide, please. Here's a 23-24 budget, the amounts, and, and the budget priorities. Remember, student equity, support, and success was the number one priority. Last year, we devoted, or, or we had uh, the ability to devote $2.192 million to that initiative. I'll share with you that the Chancellor's Office has not released those numbers yet, um, uh, and we anticipate they'll be released, they said, sometime in September. I don't, I don't anticipate they'll go down. There remains a high priority at, at the state level, but we'll, those need to be confirmed uh, as soon as we receive those dollars. Investments in technology and instructional equipment in Fund 11, uh, an incremental increase of $750,000 primarily toward managed services for IT. Um, the, the contract is about $1.1 million, but the incremental increase to last year's budget is seven fifty. dollars So I want to be really clear about that. In Fund 12, we've made commitments um, uh, at $350,000. We've made a $450,000 commitment. Uh, the ASNBC students have been generous in their support and commitment to improving the Wi-Fi service on campus to the tune of $450,000. So Giovanni, please share that, uh, that thanks to uh, your colleagues uh, on the student body. $650,000 up to a million dollars in instructional equipment and out-of-state funds. And I put an asterisk there. 
The challenge we are looking at is the state uh, uh, state budget reductions have caused uh, some clawbacks and some funds in some particular areas, particularly in scheduled maintenance, instructional equipment. So what they have done is, is said, um, we need to claw back, but we will allow you to use other funds in combination and make those decisions at the district level. So instructional equipment, scheduled maintenance, COVID relief, and, and, and student engagement funds can be put together in a pool and we make a determination about how we spend that. This number doesn't reflect that plan. So at, I put an asterisk at the bottom and it's subject to a, a California Community College funding information and NBC plan development about how we'll use those funds. Student outreach and marketing is a part of the pooled funds as well. Um, uh, and uh, we are making some, some good inroads there, but again, that's subject to some uh, continued planning. Unfunded liabilities, um, we actually did fund a little bit, but it's close to zero, so I put zero in there. Increase in fund balance, our fund balance is about 364,934. It's down from Tuesday when we were around 503, but I'll explain that in a, little, uh, in a moment, and I think there's a little bit of good news there too. Next slide, please. What's also included in our budget are operational recommendations. We have engaged a Lucian, who is our enterprise software specialists and providers to support some improvements and, and taking down barriers in some particular areas in, in our enterprise software that, that are creating have created historically problems to student access, to processing of data, to budgets, to HR, et cetera. So for advisory services for HR, finance, and IT, out of Fund 11 is $120,000 in this budget. And out of um, Fund 12 are uh, financial aid and AR. They're able to um, reap funds from federal and state sources to support um, student aid and, and uh, admissions and records. IT managed services is, is there. I, I, I repeat myself there. There's a $750,000 incremental increase to 2223 for a $1.1 million contract. Compensation study in anticipation of, of um, uh, discussions on CBAs is at $25,000. Our educational master plan is in the, in the budget at $100,000 out of Fund 11 and $48,200 out of HSI funds. We have an environmental consultant included in the in the budget, you may recall this was reflected in last year's budget, but they didn't begin the work until uh, recently. So that $100,000 sits in this year's budget. The environmental consultants. It is primarily district. However, some of the mitigation is going to be supported by, um, by the Martin Group. And, and I'll spend a little time of that in my report. We have an interim closure plan there. We should anticipate some additional costs related to any final closure on that site uh, to come. Our interim closure uh, was really an effort to make sure the site was ready and, and safe when students began to occupy our residential site, which is adjacent to that property. Next slide, please. No to fund 11. Position control remains a high priority. Um, we do not have our, all of our um, uh, software uh, in place or up to speed. We continue to use um, 
the president's cabinet as the clearinghouse for replacement uh, positions. Positions author we th those are considered on a case by case uh, basis, and positions authorized for recruitment will be initially posted internally uh, for uh, uh, college reserving the right to reassign existing staff, etc. Uh, the president's cabinet will strive to achieve a no net change to the operating budget as part of these considerations. What that means is uh, Dr. Powell has insisted that we look at every available, possible, appropriate way to fund positions. Uh, they don't all, uh, have to automatically come out of Fund 11. So uh, that's an exercise that, uh, uh, that we've begun in earnest looking, uh, and continue to look at um, should we need and when we need to replace positions, what's the appropriate funding source for those. Note number two, technology investments through managed services we've discussed. Increasing the fund balance is a projection, is a projection dependent on the ending balance for fiscal year 22-23. And, and, real, and realized revenues and expenditures for 23-24. So what, what I'm seeing as of last night is, is uh, the 22-23 budget is doing a little bit better. So the ending balance will be a little bit better and that will reflect positively on the floor, on the um, fund balance moving forward. Um, number five, we, we speak to um, our enterprise software uh, and our, our need to continue to fund uh, the ability to be more efficient with it. And then number five is position control, essentially repeating what I said in number one, it's a thick mat for, uh, uh, recommendation that we improve control systems and reporting and we're moving in that direction. Next slide, please. Notes to Fund 12. Fund 12, if you recall, is the restricted fund um, for the college. We have several funds. The ones you will hear about the most are Fund 11, the Unrestricted General Fund, and Fund 12, the Restricted Fund. The Restricted Fund is where most all categorical funds go to and grant funds go to what we call special special program funds. All restricted funds have a restriction from the donor or the, uh, the provider of the funds to, to meet the needs of a particular group, to meet uh, particular outcomes, or are time sensitive. So at this date, when, when I show you the Fund 12, it looks a little odd because it hasn't been completely closed out on 22-23 yet. There's plenty of funds there, but they haven't been all reconciled yet. Um, the, the revenue projections in Fund 12 that you'll see do not include any changes from the state yet because those haven't been, um, haven't been published yet. And college finance staff continue to review the appropriate and allowable allocation of expenses to Fund 12 programs. Changes due to this continued review of accounts is ongoing and will be reflected in closing financial statements. I'll share with you now that, that many of you know who uh, Mr. Doug Roberts is. Uh, Doug is uh, somewhere in Portugal today, mm. and, and but he's agreed to come back and help us with uh, taking another hard look at our 50% law and, uh, and gathering some information in, in anticipation of a report um, uh, to see where we can, what we can do to improve on our 50% by appropriately utilizing Fund 12 uh, resources. Jim, for uh, speaking of Fund 12, I was looking at um, pretty close numbers um, for 22-23. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this is what you were kind of alluding to, that this number that's being presented isn't going to necessarily 
look the same maybe a year from now. But in seeing, I think a seven point a seven point one million dollar jump of what was for in terms of state revenues. Um, what was initially projected last year at seven point five, and then ultimately it was close to seventeen million. What, what's what was that um, that delta? The the delta is that it hasn't been closed out for twenty two twenty three yet, so it's not even to next year yet. It hasn't been closed out in Fund Twelve. We had a staff member who was devoted to Fund Twelve who who left on June thirtieth. So so the best information I have today for Fund Twelve is what we printed, but it will change. Um, so so uh, the takeaways from Fund 12, from my perspective, others can weigh in, uh, is that we're underspending in several areas, so we have pretty significant balances. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that's why I saw that, too, in terms of the, the ending fund balance as well, was uh, over nine. Yes. It also includes HSI funds and, and in addition to all of our categoricals. So while we're doing well in some, you know, we're underspending in others. And I, I'm not I'm not being specific to anything, but yeah. the HSI funds are fairly significant funding sources, uh, as are all these categoricals. Um, my recommendation is that we spend more time with those program areas to develop uh, budgets that communicate in, uh, across the campus about how we use all of those, how we consider the use of all those funds to meet um, college objectives. Um, historically, I think it's been a little bit siloed and, and yeah. so we've missed some opportunities. So um, I'd like to see us spend more of that as trustee Baker indicated on Tuesday um, uh, that we don't realize these funds until we spend them, unlike Fund 11. Mm. So unspent funds are technically a liability because you run the risk of having to return them if you don't use them. We never want to be in that position, obviously, but it's reflected uh, a little differently. It's much like you giving money to to a charity and they don't use it. They have an obligation to return it to you uh, if they don't use it for the purposes for which it was intended. Thank you. Next slide, please. Notes to other funds. This is just a, a listing of all the funds that that you will um, you will consider in in your uh, budget uh, proposal uh, today. I, I'm not going to go over through this list, but we will go through the numbers uh, uh, fairly quickly as we move through the the second portion of this uh, presentation. I just wanted to acknowledge um, this: the many folks who contributed to putting this together, including our our business and finance staff, including the the budget and planning committee, uh, and particularly to um, Wendy Nuco, Doug Roberts, David Prince, Imelda Vasco, Solange Cata uh, for for putting this together. So a big thanks to them. Next slide. Let's move on to the second. Um, thank you. You thought you were done, didn't you? This is the formal uh, recommendation to the president superintendent uh, regarding the budget for 2324. Uh, much of this uh, uh, this is an outline of the budget, the 2324 final budget uh, table of contents, uh, a bit of a repeat of the narrative you've just seen. Next slide, please. Next page. Our budget committee uh, membership. This is um, the memo to Dr. Powell um, uh, um, with a recommendation from the budget committee regarding uh, this year's budget. 
with uh, some narrative about what changes that we just talked about in the, in the narrative related to this year's budget. An overview of the document, again, staff recognition. Uh, I, I just wanna just scroll up a little bit here. One of the ACCJ, one of our creditors, uh, clear focus is that we combine, that we integrate carefully our planning and our budget so that our budget is reflective of the institution's plans. So um, this is an effort to at least describe our intent to do that. And we've made some progress, though we still have uh, some, pro some work to be done here. Scroll down, please. These are our 18 to 23 institutional strategic plan. Um, this is uh, essentially what we outlined in the uh, in the narrative that we started with. Our uh, this is the memorandum. Um, I'm sorry, these are the budget development values and assumptions that were revised in March of 22 and reviewed by the budget committee uh, last year. Uh, and it essentially provides uh, a narrative about what the priorities are. Integration with planning, I just mentioned fiscal stability, um, uh, how we address personnel issues and the value of personnel here at, uh, at the district. Let's scroll down here. Uh, facility and technology maintenance and capital improvements. And then uh, a request, a requirement that we, we uh, meet our legal mandates and our contractual requirements. And then we talk about uh, grants, uh, donations, and categorical fund, how we'll use those essentially for the intended purpose for which they were given. Um, a focus on operational efficiency as well has, has become um, uh, a theme that, that we are paying attention to. I think also important here last year was a consideration by the budget committee and reviewed by the Board of Trustees that a goal of spending 87.5% of expenditures on salary and benefits was inspired by the amounts spent by other community colleges. According to the California Legislative Analyst Office, this is uh, at least a year ago, the average amount the community college districts in California spent on salary and benefits is around 85%. Uh, this amount is listed in multiple years, including 21 and 22. A study of the top 30 salary districts in California based on actual results from 18 to 19 academic year determined that the median spent on salary and benefits from more competitive comp uh, compensation districts was 87.5%. While the relative amounts of 85% and 87.5% should be monitored over the long term, this goal is, is not intended to be micromanaged on a year-to-year -year basis or updated during periods of extreme financial st stress, such as during a recession or pandemic. I think there was um, a recognition that we wanted to provide some, some guidance for how uh, the kind of uh, commitment uh, that the budget would make each year to faculty compensation, excuse me, uh, employee compensation. Our final budget, this is, these are the numbers. Just to orient you to these schedules. Uh, if you're really interested in doing some trend analysis, we provided you audited 2021 and audited 21-22 numbers. The, the reference is the board, uh, the board of, uh, adjusted, excuse me, the board approved adjusted budget for 2023 are what we most recent, recently worked with as, as a comparison. The pre-closed number is at 831. When I looked at last night's numbers, they were actually better than this, both on the revenue side and on the expense side. So I will just leave this, um, we're gonna leave it as presented, uh, uh, but uh, the pre-closed numbers, uh, I, think, um, I think we'll be pleased with. 
Uh, the final budget is a variance. So what we've done in the next column to the right or the second column from, uh, of the, from the right is what's the difference between what our pre-closed number is and what our final budget is. So the, the far right column is the final budget as, as recommended. Um, you'll see uh, the variance in federal income was about $3,300. You'll see state in income dropped by $507,000. And that's a bit of the clawback that we're seeing. Let me also just point out, could you scroll down to the footnotes here, Catherine? In each of these schedules, each of these funds we provided how we came to the revenue and the reason for the expense in each of these. So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on each line, but if you wanted to do a deeper dive uh, on the reasons why these numbers are what they are, uh, that gives you the, the detail. Again, most of the projections are based on a two-year analysis plus um, an inflation factor. Could you scroll back up to uh, the revenues, please? You'll see property taxes here uh, 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 were 41,143,389 last year on a pre-closed basis. Um, and our 43,272,474 projected the increase in the variance you see is about a $2.129 million. And then you'll see on the total revenue sign, uh, the variance is $2.35 million or $2.35 million is projected to be an increase over our total revenue from last year for uh, a revenue of $48.9 million. Our expenditures, you'll note faculty salaries permanent at about $728,000 increase, uh, largely due to that 8% salary increase. The faculty salary is temporary. That's the area I made a correction on that I referenced at the beginning of our presentation. We transposed a few numbers there and it showed a lower cost for our part-time faculty members. So I've made that correction. Uh, our faculty members are part-time are projected to be $4.3 million. And then you'll see our, our academic permanent, et cetera. The variance at the very bottom, admin confidential permanent, you'll see the variance is about $713,000. That's, uh, that's due to uh, three different reasons. Number one, it includes a 3.5% increase to that staff, that staff complement. It also includes some realignment uh, uh, of responsibilities and promotions related to the reorganization that occurred beginning July 1st. And it also includes, <clears throat> includes some open positions that were unfunded. That, that were unfilled, I'm sorry. So you can see the total salaries increased by $2.367 million to 27929 uh, in this budget. Our employee benefits, you can see uh, our total employee benefits only went up by $372,000 or around 3%. You would expect them to go up more, but remember, CERP 1 and 2 has decreased the demand for payroll-related benefits. Uh, scroll down, please. Total books and supplies, $9,700 uh, decrease, uh, largely in other supplies. It looks like um, we went to a two-year average, um, and we may have pulled something out of there, it looks like. For 289 as opposed to 333 uh, are pre-close. 
don't quite understand why we went down there, but I'll have to take another look at that. Under other operating expenses, um, you look at the top line where it says other professional services, you'll see an increase, a variance of $1.182 million. There are a couple of biggies in there. The biggest one in there is the managed services contract for, um, for our IT area. In addition, there, there is the consultant for the um, Ash Landfill, and there's also funding for the educational master plan that sits in there. By the by, we did see a slight decrease in our personal costs related to IT because we didn't fill those positions in anticipation of going to a managed solution. So our, our total other operating costs uh, supplies uh, increased by $1.198 million for a total budget of $7.285 million. Our capital outlay um, is at 133, uh, the variance to $1.233 million or other outgo and our transfers. We, we did some transfers uh, to address uh, the insurance costs related to our cybersecurity um, uh, issue or what was, wasn't covered by cybersecurity. We also wrote down some longstanding um, food service losses that gas was experiencing. So you may or may not know that our food, our food services have not made any money. In fact, they've, they've cost the uh, DAS and the, essentially the institution money because they don't quite have the demand. And that was exacerbated by the pandemic. So we picked this year to write that down so it, it, uh, it's effectively the liability that, that we've addressed. Have we not written it down? It, there was an accumulation of, I think, seven or eight years. So I don't know what, maybe they were making money before that, or maybe they just wrote it down over seven or eight years. Our OPEB, uh, you can see, is increased by $283,000. Our OPEB are the costs of most employees who uh, are entitled to medical benefits post-retirement at a value of around one point just under $1.3 million, and then the cost of two annuities for CERP 1 and CERP 2. And then our other outgo are some, some transfers. For total expenditures of $48,572,461 as compared to our pre-close pre of $44,799. If you can scroll down a little bit more, there we go. So the... Um, where do we sit in terms of reserves? Remember, that was a priority. Um, our fund balance has a, an amount of total expenditures, which is missing right there. Uh, we projected last year we would have it at about 10.3%. I'm re reporting here at 13.82%, but I think it's going to inch up a little bit. And then uh, on Tuesday, I indicated that we would be a little higher, uh, like 13.8%, 13.9% but I needed to make that adjustment primarily in part-time faculty salaries. So that brought down that contribution uh, to around $364,000 for a 13.49% um, uh, fund, uh, fund uh, balance as a percentage of expenditures. So our fund, ending fund balance uh, will jump up to six and a half plus million dollars if the, uh, if the budget performs as we intend it to be. And fingers crossed, um, 
we could see even more promising results uh, as well. Fund, fund 11 is the one most, most folks are interested in because it impacts our, our operations, our salaries, our benefits. Before I move on to the other 24 funds, um, what questions and observations might you have about Fund 11? Hearing none, let's move on to Fund 12. Um, President Dodd referenced Fund 12. I just want to be careful that our pre-closed numbers uh, have not been reconciled yet. So when they are reconciled, I think that'll be a truer, uh, a truer indication of what activities there are. Again, the takeaways are that there are areas that we're underspending in uh, and that we, we need to look to our programs and see uh, what plans are in place and how we can uh, how we can best utilize those funds. We do have um, good balances there. Total fund 12, we were receiving almost 19 million last year in, in total fund 12. Uh, revenues in, in all those programs. So it's, it's a fairly robust area. You scroll down, please, that's fund 12. And again, if you wanna take a deeper dive, look at the assumptions at the bottom of each of these schedules. Yeah, so let's just go to these assumptions. Um, restricted funds, revenues generally, generally recognized to the extent of qualifying expenditures. We referenced that earlier. At this printing, the district is still performing its year-end closing work, as I mentioned, and total revenues with approximate total expenditures will be reconciled, and there will be uh, no significant change to the fund balance. The increase currently shown in fund balance from 22-23 will be three classes deferred revenues because we haven't earned them yet. Um, it's also of note here that per funds included in 22-23, so there are a couple of areas where you see no HERF funds, and they're, they're, they've been spent appropriately. HERF funds can also be used in Fund 11 to re recover lost revenue. So you'll see a decrease in one of the revenue lines because we couldn't use HERF funds. They're not available to us anymore. Then HERF funds in Fund 12 are largely for, for technology improvements to improve um, distance at. Okay. I have a quick question about um, the Fund 12. One of the things we talked about, and you re, um, reiterated it here, is that the, a lot of the, the money, if we don't use it, we lose it. And But I, I have a follow-up kind of question Please. to that. If we, if we basically go to the end of a fiscal year and leave money on the table that doesn't, we don't use and we have to give it back, does that have any impact on our future um, applications? Or you know, is it like if you, you go, we go asking for money and they say, well, we gave you money last time you didn't use it. It can. Many, many categoricals and some uh, federal funds have what they call a rollover feature. So you can, if you don't use all the money in one year, you can roll it over. When you come to the end of the grant, however, you have to usually file for an extension. And to your point, um, you, if future applications, they wanna see how you've used the money. And most importantly, are you getting the outcomes that you said you were getting, you, you were going to achieve uh, with the utilization of these funds? So you're right, it could impact future funding. Um, if I can jump in, Trustee Baker, we have every intention of spending our fund 12s. Yes. <laughs> I think there are checks being written this very moment. 
any questions, further questions, we'll have more information as we fully rec reconcile this. Uh, the, the, uh, any questions on Fund 12? All right, thank you. Moving along. These are uh, our general obligation bond um, uh, activity. General obligation bonds are commitments um, by the district and ostensibly by the county to repay funds that were um, generated by bond sales for largely for facilities here. These, these revenues and expenses don't hit our operating budget, but what the county does is take them off the top before they send us, uh, send us our revenue. So as part of our audit and our an annual financial reporting, we're required to report the activity. There, there's not much to report here. We paid, the county paid our bills for us and uh, we met our obligations for uh, our general obligation bonds. Can we move down to the ne next schedule, please? Our ch child care fund, we have a preschool on campus, early childhood education program. This is no longer a college program, but a program operated by the county uh, education office. We are a pass-through or a fiscal agent, which means that uh, the funding is given to the college who passes it along uh, to the county to support that that uh, preschool uh, early childhood ed programs, and we keep an administrative fee as the fiscal agent, and so that's what you're seeing in the ending fund balance of one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Does that money show up in Fund Eleven? No, it stays here. It's it sits there. You can use it. Uh, you have fairly wide uh, ability to use it. Uh, I'd recommend that. Um, that we we look to in you know putting a new roof on the childcare center is the kind of uses that we probably should focus on. Otherwise, it'll be pulling out of resources that are that we should be using for the campus. Next schedule, please. This is the capital outlay projects fund. This is Fund Forty One. This is this is where um, where when we receive scheduled maintenance funds for the facilities. Uh, we we planted here. Um, one of the challenges we've seen is that the state is clawing back a good good portion of, of our scheduled maintenance funds. So you'll see some reductions in those. I want to share with you that these are highly inflated, inflated for a good reason, because this is where that $31 million landed when we received it from the um, from the state of California. You'll also see that it all went out and it all went out to the project fund. So you'll see in our notes that we moved 16 million of it uh, in, in March or April and then the remainder of it in early July. So you'll see uh, some large activity there, but it, it, is a, it, it was an in and out to support the, the program. We do have a balance here of $301,000. I think uh, the part we need to focus here on is building this balance so that we can be prepared to address any demands that might be placed on the budget for that subordinated liability related to the student housing project, which is could be up to $650,000. That doesn't say it'll cost us six fifty, dollars but we need a place to go in the event that, some, that, 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 that there's a call on some portion of that. We have every confidence that the program will, will perform. Um, but we need to have a place to go if it doesn't to, to up to that amount. Next schedule, please. This is our self-insurance fund. Hey, Mom, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to interrupt, just getting back to that. I mean, what are ways outside of 
uh, I mean, outside of getting amazing state grants to to build up that that fund to do projects exactly like like that to build that fund, yeah. Uh, transfers from Fund 11 when you when you're reaching a, a threshold in your reserves that you like is one place to do it. Um, contributions to uh, any contributions that say I'd like to support that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I, I will share with you that that when the, the project pro forma is scheduled to generate revenues to the institution, housing fairly quickly. So one of the decisions the board might make is we want to see this at at a particular level uh, uh, to make sure that we you know we have appropriate dollars there. It it increases fairly quickly, and I say when I say fairly quickly, it gets into seven figures a few years down the road. So it can be um, we need to consider that in a wider context. But that that may be a decision the board would want to thank you consider. Self-insurance, again, was uh, we moved to $100,000 here just to um, be prepared for any additional demands, uh, uh, deductibles, mostly related to the cyber attack. Next schedule, please. Internal services fund, you may recall last year we we moved to a fund 68 so we can have a place for some discrete reflection of financials. For, for services that we wanted to measure um, specifically. In this case, our print shop. We wanted to be able to say, um, what's the cost is for our print shop? What's it generating in revenue? Uh, and, and we can go to this quickly and see what, that's, uh, what we're doing there. Print shops uh, um, occur on some campuses and don't occur on others. They can be high cost. Um, I've asked uh, our director, our DAS director to put together a business plan uh, that helps us understand when we can, number one, break even, and number two, when we can make a contribution to our unrestricted general fund. So this is a way, what it's showing is uh, we've taken our expenses out of Fund 11, and we've reflected them here so that we can see what kind of revenue and expenses are here. So if there's a budget of 153401 here, you'll notice mostly in terms of salaries for that position, for that area, uh, and we anticipate um, some revenues or some recognition of revenues moving forward. Next schedule, please. This is our post-retirement benefits fund, Fund 69. Um, this this is um, uh, in addition to the budgeted transfer from unrestricted general fund, which is used to fund the cost of district retiree benefits. Um, th- this is the SERP fund to help with the district's 22-23 cash flow and avoid costs of issuing tax uh, revenue bonds. So what we did last year was we were looking at the possibility of a cash flow crunch. So what we did was um, based on an earlier, an older resolution of the board, we were able to move uh, from that trust fund to the county to hold as cash. Uh, it was a good idea and we don't spend the cash, we just hold the cash, uh, the county does. What that allows us to do is at least have the availability of cash to help us negotiate any cash flow shortages during the course of a year. This That was a good time to do it because we were in a low interest environment. We weren't learning much, but I'll share with you, we're moving into a better interest environment now, and we probably want to return uh, that to the trust fund. And so that's this is where it sits. 
the other part of our budget is always cash flow. So do we have enough cash to meet our obligations in time? Last year, the county was a little bit delayed in getting us our, our, our cash. So we're always concerned, particularly in the fall of each year, about whether we have enough cash on hand. And we'll continue to provide you uh, a cash flow report uh, so that so that you're aware of where we are. We are in good shape right now. We were in great shape last year because we were sitting on $31 million for a week or two and earning interest on that. So um, th that's a, that's an area we'll probably want to take a look at and move those funds back to, to the trust fund. Next schedule, please. Employees Retirement Benefit Trust is a cert. This is, this is actually, um, uh, it reflects the impact of the increase in the stock market at 8.30 since uh, June 30, 23. So we do have this trust for this retirement benefit trust fund out there to help us support future costs for retirement. Next schedule. Our associated student body fund is fund 71. This is essentially their annual operating budget. This is, um, uh, these numbers uh, anticipate the adoption of um, of uh, the associated student body uh, budget this year. So these will be revised when they when they adopt their budget. So this is the, the funds they collect for their operating budget and, and it gives you a, a sense of what the kind of revenues they generate and their expenses. Next schedule. This is, is the, uh, again, uh, the associated student body fee, just the second part of it. See their ending, ending fund balance in um, at the pre-close is 157,000, uh, and that will roll over into a new budget year. Next schedule, please. This is the student representation fee trust fund. These are funds collected um, to support students in their activities to represent student interests at public bodies, including state senates, boards of trustees and, and uh, other agencies to represent the interests of students. It has a balance of about $34,000, I think. Um, so that's an opportunity uh, uh, to fund uh, that kind of travel and that kind of advocacy on behalf of students. Next schedule, please. Student financial aid fund. This is essentially an in and out, mostly federal income. Um, students qualify for federal income it's received by the college and awarded to students. So it's essentially a pass-through with, um, with the college maintaining some small portion as an administrative fee. So you can see uh, uh, revenues uh, anticipated about $5.8 million. And then you'll see um, uh, essentially the money going out and a fund balance of about $50,000. And I think that concludes our schedules. What questions might you have? There's not just one question. I already asked him all on Tuesday. Yeah. No, fair enough. <laughs> well, Trustee Baker, speaking of that, uh, do you want to report anything out from um, audit and finance? No, this is, um, believe it or not, this was the Reader's Digest version. We got the longer version, mostly because I kept interrupting. Um, but uh, we we uh, went over the entire thing uh, um, on Tuesday and uh, had a 
motion that passed that we would recommend the adoption of the uh, budget to the full board. Uh, so unless anybody has questions for me or uh, uh, Mr. Reeves, I think we are good to do that. Okay. Um, Catherine, can we take any, uh, or do we have any public comment? No, we do not. Okay, we'll close public comments and I would welcome a motion for approval. I'll move to approve. Thank you, Trustee Olson, for your second. motion. And Trustee Rios for your second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Recusals? Uh, uh, budget is uh, approved unanimously. Thank you so much, Jim, and, and thank you to the entire uh, uh, business office team, our, our budget committee. I know, yeah, a lot of work. A lot thank of work. you. Mitch, uh, thank you so much for that. And just, I think, uh, again, to reemphasize, I think the point that we made last year is just that we really appreciate the tremendous amount of transparency, um, too, and uh, the time spent on it. I'm just trying to think, like, my first two years on the budget, it was always like, a, I don't know. <laughs> It's like a five-minute conversation, or not even a conversation, but yeah, it was uh, very succinct. And pretty, so, just to be able to go to level of detail that that you guys have gone in is is incredibly helpful. So, thanks again. Uh, we will go to. Oh, man, you're still on. I feel like we should have like worked on some sort of as if you were tired of looking at numbers. Uh, fund eleven update. Thank you, President Dodd. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time here. Uh, because this still reflects our tentative budget, because uh, when I pushed this out, you hadn't approved the final budget. Um, what it does show, um, as I as I looked at uh, these numbers last night, uh, that our revenue will include will improve slightly at fiscal year end 22-23, um, and our expenditures are being adjusted based on those adjustments and those appropriate transfers from back and forth from Fund 12. So uh, I think we had uh, a really good budget year in 22-23. If you want to scroll down, um, thank you, to the reserve numbers. Again, I didn't put the reserve numbers in here because uh, I, I think they're going to show a little bit better than I did in the budget. But I, uh, uh, in deference to uh, Trustee Olson or Trustee Baker, I'm not going to throw those out there yet, but I think we're looking at a slightly better projection in terms of reserves last year, which will increase our fund balance moving into to, uh, the current year. So um, not a lot to report here that you haven't seen, but you will see the new budget posted here uh, with uh, moving back to that um, percentage of the budget year and, and the variance report for our next report. Great. Any questions? We will go to uh, constituency reports for uh, women to associate students. Do we have anything from uh, President Sharma? Uh, no, Priya is not here. I have Danielle Alexander and oh, I think Jasenia just joined. I'm not sure. Where did she go? Great. Daniel, we'll have, we'll have uh, you first and then Jasenia uh, um, next. Oops, wait, someone's raising hands at me. Hey, Danielle, I'm trying to promote you. Yeah, come on in. So, and Danielle, for that, we can't hear you at all. 
Oh, here. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, yep. great, great. I, I just got uh, let in. So I just wanted to um, pop on. I'm at home tonight, but I wanted to just check in and let you know that I actually do not have a report, but it felt like very rude to not at least say hello. And oh. also to congratulate our new tenured faculty and Dr. Powell. And um, just I just didn't want to be rude since this place is held for me. Um, the things that uh, we were that I reported on last month, we're still working on. So hopefully next month I'll have a new update. But thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Danielle. The last thing, the last word, whatever adjective I would ever describe Danielle is, is, is rude. So for, for the record, thank you so much, Danielle. It's good to hear your voice. And I'd just like to say hi, Danielle, back. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Be very rude. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good night, Danielle. Um, uh, Jasenia? Hi, good evening. Good evening. Hi. Um, I... Sorry about that. My um, computer glitched a little bit. I, I, my screen just shook. Um, yeah, hi, good evening. I just wanted to... Um, I have a few things to say today, um, so thank you for the time. Um, I want to begin with recognizing uh, the separation of our colleagues this evening, Ian Holbrook and Antoine Williams. Um, we just want to extend and wish them well in their future endeavors, inclusive of good health, growth, and success. Uh, this evening, I also wanted to welcome Katie Mills, um, that is on the docs, uh, research analyst that will begin this month. The Union of Classified Professionals uh, are planning a classified social titled New Beginnings. This social is will take place on campus on September 28th. We have found ourselves as a unit uh, in a position where change and reprioritization is necessary. Uh, so we look forward to gathering in a safe space and uh, be able to socialize. Um, I also, moving forward, um, okay, so on August 21st of 2023, the Office of Human Resources Training and Development sent out an official email announcement of the agreement on a pilot telecommute program that will be effective September 1st through June 30th of 2024. So September 1st of this year, 2023, through next year, June 30th. Um, I would like to echo that the district recognizes the benefits for both the district and classified professionals. At this time, um, I'd like to express our gratitude and look forward to continuing to work with the district on a pilot process. We deem it necessary to spotlight the fact that there are many classified professionals that do not qualify for the pilot telecommute program at this time. We however anticipate a successful pilot that may pave the way for potential permanent telecommuting opportunities for positions that are eligible. We foresee that this will positively impact recruitment, but most importantly, retention of qualified professionals. Uh, thank you, this concludes my report. Thank you very much. Is Christine Tapia here? Uh, no, she's at a conference. Okay, hope she's having fun. Let's see, is uh, no, Dr. Dr. Conzer is not here. 
but I see one person that's here. Christy, thank you for being here. Good evening, board. And uh, congratulations to our tenured faculty. Congratulations to Dr. Powell. Um, my uh, my colleague, Matt Kronzer, is not here for probably the best of reasons. He and his wife had a baby. So he uh, he's actually taken this week off so he can, you know, not sleep, I guess, but he'll be yeah. doing something. And uh, he will be back next week. Um, I don't have a whole lot to report. This is the last year of our contract, so... We are looking forward to working on that all this year. And so we'll be in negotiations um, regularly to uh, get the ball rolling on that. But of course, we have to first settle the reopener from this year. So once we get that uh, taken care of, then we will start working on the uh, the 24 to 27 contract. We had our first general faculty association meeting today where we uh showed the uh, faculty our our salary proposal for the reopener and we talked about a little bit of contract language it was spirited and um and so we will be bringing uh, some changes to our next negotiation session other than that i uh, i look forward to seeing our negotiators on september 28th and that's my report thank you thank you very much christy and thank you again for being here uh, President and cabinet reports. Catherine, if we could open the OA board report first, that would be great. Thank you so much. So um, as VP Reeves uh, mentioned in the budget, we are very much on track to be either flat or slightly up in our FTS this year. So you can see as of uh, the 13th of September, where we are, um, it's almost the same as last year in terms of our FTS. Our enrollments are higher um, and our headcount is just slightly up. You can see 4,567 credit students uh, so far this fall compared to 4,520 in fall of last year. We do have a number of late start classes. Um, some of them don't begin until October. So uh, there will be some fluctuation and change. Uh, many of them are full, but we do still have some that are open. What we do see also in terms of um, at the division level in changes is that there are two divisions, arts and humanities and career education and workforce development that have seen significant increases in FTS. And um, we believe that is largely because these uh, two areas are very much impacted by the availability of in-person, hands-on active learning. And so being able to have more in-person classes has particularly benefited um, those. Last time you may recall that in the August report to the board, our non-credit enrollments were um, down actually from fall the prior year as of that date that has changed. So they are comparable, slightly up. Um, it's still a small number, but we have 424 enrollments uh, in fall 2023 compared to 409 at this same time last fall. So an improvement of about 3.67%. And just as with our credit programs, we do have some late starts that are available. So we will see some fluctuations over the course of the semester. 
The other main thing I wanted to report on is um, what we are doing with our educational master plan. So we have established our steering team and it's possible we may have one or two more members that get added, but these are the commitments so far. So I am acting as the project lead. Um, Dr. Kronzer, the Academic Senate President, serves as one of the faculty representatives. And then Amanda Badgett, who is the faculty co-chair of the planning committee, serves as the second faculty representative. From the administrative group, we have Robin Warnall, who um, is also representing research planning and institutional effectiveness, and Christine Tapia from the Administrative Senate. And we heard from Danielle a little bit ago. She is serving for the Classified Senate. And we have the ASNBC Vice President, Carrie Six, who is serving as the student representative. And we welcome more students if, if they decide they would like to join us. The steering team is the guiding body who helps oversee the project. But of course, there will be many, many opportunities for input from many people. We are planning an employee survey and a student survey uh, launching in October. We'll have focus groups and forums. And we plan to incentivize student engagement. We've been um, in discussion with the foundation to provide gift cards so that students who might not be able to make it to a focus group, for example, will have some incentive to participate. And that will be a very positive thing. We'd like to get as many students as possible. And if we could go to the um, second attachment, which is the EMP kickoff, this gives an overview of um, both our objectives and the timing of our planning. So you can see that our focus is to produce an actionable, equity-focused and data-driven EMP. We wanna make sure that we are aligning with our college priorities and initiatives. Our third objective is to ensure that we have lots of engagement, lots of input and ownership from both our internal and external partners. And of course, the goal is that we will have a five-year plan at the end of this um, project. So you can see for the areas of work and our planned timing, um, the EMP steering team, that is the group I just uh, talked about a moment ago, is meeting bi-weekly. Um, I also meet with the, the um, West Ed team regularly. And as an example, Dr. Warnall and I met with them this morning talking about data collection. We are doing the quantitative data analysis that has already begun uh, starting in late August and that will continue through November. We will have focus groups, both faculty and student um, in the months of October and November and campus and community input sessions uh, beginning October 2nd through November 17th. Our plan is to have a draft of the quantitative data analysis complete for January and um, to have a flex session for input from the community, all, all stakeholders in January, and then um, a completed draft, which means that will go out to all of the groups, the governance groups for additional layers of feedback. So the draft EMP will be going out in March and April, and we anticipate bringing that to the board in May of 2024. So this is really exciting to begin this work. Um, the EMP of course provides a roadmap for our future directions for the next five years and also helps us 
to see um, how our other plans are connected, provide some direction for working on those plans. Um, and one, one thing that is different in our version of the MP is that we are integrating our strategic directions and goals as a part of it. Um, so we'll see updates from those that you um, saw in the budget proposal earlier. So I'm happy to answer any questions if you have any, but, it, but it's a great start so far. In, in terms of the external partners, I wasn't here at last meeting. I, I did watch uh, watch me, but would want to hear just like a little bit more information in terms of uh, that kind of process and bringing in like members of the chamber or you know local or, or, or growers, uh, you know, Valley grape growers, and, and those type of the Farm Bureau and bringing in those. How, how exactly does that work? And in, in terms of that outreach process and, and that uh, opportunity for input, like what does that look like? Yeah, so we'll be working with the president's office and with the foundation, as well as with, um, we have a lot of uh, members of our team who also work with other partners. Again, so we're yeah. going to get a list of all of the folks that we should invite and have uh, at least one or two sessions for external um, stakeholders as well. Wonderful, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I think we're on to uh, to me. Um, good evening, um, board and uh, community. Also, uh, I'd like to congratulate um, our, our tenured faculty members um, and Dr. Fowl. So uh, this evening, I'm going to share with you uh, some things that Student Affairs has been up to over this past month. Uh, we'll go to the first slide. So we start off the semester with a, um, a pretty intense and, and, and deep and, and um, very passionate uh, Student Affairs Council Retreat, led by Dr. Orlando Carrion and Karina Hui, who um, really came in and focused on um, community building, collaboration, and goal setting. It was an opportunity for us to really come together as a Student Affairs Department. And um, really, we were asked this question, you know, if, if what if we can do anything we wanted to in, in Student Affairs with no kind of barriers, what would that look like? So it gave us an opportunity to really dream about what's possible um, in Student Affairs and the impacts that we want to make through student affairs. So we are working on developing, um, taking that information, putting it together and developing a plan, a plan of action around what we're going to do in student affairs really for the next um, upcoming year, but hopefully for much longer than that. So if you can scroll to the next slide. Here are some pitches from that um, interaction. Again, we, we got an opportunity to do a deep dive on um, really the the um, what we envision our student affairs departments to look like and the impacts we want to make across the community. So it was powerful, powerful um, um, opportunity to, to build together. Next slide. So um, last week, September 5th through the 7th, we celebrated um, Spirit Week, um, which was basically three days of activities from Club Rush um, to Transfer Day um to really an opportunity to to engage the community engage um our local schools um around um really what the Valley college has to offer around our clubs but also really supporting um transfer 30 universities attended our, our transfer day we had over 450 high school students come um, napa valley college was able to support buses for all of our local high schools um all the way up to calistoga american canyon um, and we brought students directly to Napa Valley College. It was a pretty powerful event to just walk across campus during it was his last uh, 
Thursday um, and see the amount of students that were on campus um, engaging with each other, engaging with our university reps and um, our, our college representatives as well. So you can scroll to the next slide. It's just some pictures of the activities that were that happened. I was also I want to just I want to thank everybody in the in Napa Valley College community because we needed some help setting up our canopies and we put a call out for uh, college staff to come together and about eight fifteen in the morning eight thirty um, about 10, 15 staff showed up uh, volunteered helped us helped us to put up the canopies we got things set up it was really a community effort uh, it was powerful community building activities so I want to thank everybody who supported that. Um, last Friday, I facilitated along with the student affairs teams, um, a all student affairs staff meeting. Um, in that meeting, we really discussed the the reorganization in student affairs and the impacts that's had across all of our areas. And I offer an opportunity for student affairs staff to really ask questions around um, the different departments, how things are being facilitated. Um, discussed important program updates for all of our areas of student affairs, but more than anything, and a big push, and I've said this um, from the first day I began this, this position, is it was really around building community in student affairs. So coming together as a team, um, connecting, and, and just seeing each other. I mean, some folks hadn't seen each other yet. There's a picture from that, that um, activity. They've emailed each other. They've um, talked on the phone. Zoomed like crazy, but never actually saw each other in person. So it's pretty powerful to just connect and and see each other um, at the student affairs um, all staff meeting. And then the last one, with just a couple of upcoming events that we have, uh, we are in the process of, of planning our high school visits. So this is basically myself, student affairs deans, um, will go off to the high schools and visit with uh, the local administrators and counselors, really to set up opportunities to, to learn from our schools, what needs to happen, what more do we need to do, and also to connect and build. So that is happening. We're going to visit nine local schools all the way, again, up and down the valley. Um, and um, we will have our manager for dual enrollment, Christine Tapia, also participating in that. And I believe Dr. Powell has been invited to some of those as well. So if, um, I think he's going to try to attend some of those activities. Um, we have our high school breakfast, save the day for November 9th, that is coming up. Um, and I hope we will have a, dry, or a pretty good agenda or let's know kind of what's going to be happening at that activity um, at our next board meeting. I also um, wasn't able to put this onto my PowerPoint, but I do want to share that next week we will have poet Jose Olivares through the Puente um, organization um, program on campus doing a, a reading. So please, if you are on campus next Wednesday, September 20th, uh, 6.30, um, here's a 6 o'clock reception. He's a well-known poet, Chicano poet. Um, please come and support our activity. Uh, we'll be at the Little Theater. So you are all invited to participate in that activity. Should be a good event. And that concludes my report. I just had one quick question. Is there much dialogue or discussions about the campus housing and what kind of impact that's going to have on student affairs? Yeah, absolutely. This is a discussion, actually, um, DP Reeves and I were just talking about earlier in the week, and um, we we are working towards, I know that our um, Omar Peña and Student Life, um, along with um, uh, Dean D'Arcangelo, are working on developing a plan that will really attend to that. So, yes, we are working on putting together a robust plan to respond to our housing and what uh, kind of student life will look like as well as our student affairs. So that's that's um, in the process of, of happening now. 
I'm curious, just kind of along the same same topic, I was noticing that the River Trail Village um, uh, website is up now and people can apply, but there's no um, reference at all to um, student aid. So when you look at the what it costs to have a one bedroom or something, it, it does look like it's pretty exorbitant, but I think it would be, I don't know what kind of control we have over that website, but I think there should be some reference to the fact that that uh, different aid options are available. Excellent point. Um, I think those are things that we are addressing, Dr. Powell. Yes, we actually had a conversation a few hours ago to that extent uh, that the pricing itself does not reflect the uh, the actual option for, for the select number of units that we will be able to uh, market at, at significantly below market rate, the affordable affordable index. So that's a conversation uh, VP Reeves and I have had. We're actually drafting uh, some communication to that effect and looking at uh, best ways for us to ensure that we, we spread the word that you know there are other options as well. How are signups going for River Trail registration? We have, uh, as of yesterday, I think the manager's meeting reported, uh, what did they report? Um, 10 already. 10, 10 applications and 60, to 70. 60 inquiries. Yeah. Oh, great. So that the marketing effort will continue uh, vigorously now. Uh, but uh, Trustee Baker, it's a, you're right on point. Um, the sticker price is one issue. How can I pay for that is, is the important component that we need to address. And there are lots of ways to pay for that, including um, ways being developed by uh, through our foundation and other sources, and including the work uh, uh, that, uh, that President Dodd has done with the golf club recently uh, will help, uh, help along those lines. We, we definitely are also, you know, it's part of our financial aid and messaging and whatnot. That's that's part of our plan to make sure the community knows that financial aid um, will be available, is, is, is available. And we are um, really intentional about making sure the word gets out about how to do that and how to uh, get the support that you need. So, I'm not sure I can compete with Dr. Garo's graphics. So you can pull up my boring uh, uh, tomes here. Uh, and I won't take much of your time here. I just wanted to give you an update on our audit. We are making good progress with our audit. Uh, our fund 12 um, uh, closing was hampered a bit by uh, the loss of a very valuable staff member due to a, a resignation. Uh, but I think we will be able to meet our, our, our timelines relative to completing that and finishing that. And I hope to give you a, a kind of a harder date um, uh, very soon about when that will happen. I'm not seeing anything or auditor isn't seeing anything that would cause me or you any particular concern at this point. Um, so I think it's going along. We just need to uh, kind of hammer through the, the process of closing primarily fund 12. I want to mention institutional technology. You may recall the momentous decision you made uh, last month, last month to engage Lucian managed services onto the campus. Um, I, I want to share with you that, uh, the day after uh, that agreement was reached, they were on the phone setting up meetings with with our cabinet, with our president, uh, with our technology uh, committee. They have now met with our management group, and I've met with them uh, nearly every day. Uh, and uh, we are seeing uh, some immediate kind of 
uh, infiltration of fresh ideas, new concepts, new approaches, and um, a growing uh, a growing um, confidence in, in where we can go with these managed services. Uh, I will be asking them to make a report, an update to the cabinet soon, and I would like to schedule an update to the board about their activities and progress in the near future. But um, boots on the ground now, we have people kind of tucked away in some spaces over here, um, going at the good work that needs to be done there. So all good from, uh, certainly from an early perspective. Uh, um, scroll down please, Catherine. Just an update on our student housing project. I think um, we are making very good progress now. You'll see the scaffolding's coming down, the, the plaster's up, um, there are windows in, um, and it's looking like a place a student might want to live. Um, it's, it's coming along very nicely. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly pushing on schedule. Uh, that's the critical piece for us today, making sure we're open and ready uh, to, to Dr. Guerrero's observations about having information in place about financial aid, student life, uh, are all part of an implementation uh, team's work that has been underway for several months now. So uh, we are moving along. We have, um, uh, I share with Dr. Powell, the two areas I'm focused on today are uh, uh, is a marketing approach that spreads the word. Uh, we spent a little a bit of this uh, with Trustee Rios at the, at the Wine Foundation yesterday. Is that yesterday? A couple of days ago? Seems like a week. Uh, and the other issue is, is answering the food service question uh, for for a population who will be on our campus, um, the drive-throughs across the street are not the solution. Um, uh, so we need to be able to have an answer for that. So those are those are those are issues certainly in front of myself and others on campus. We are moving along. We're very excited, um, and and uh, it looks very promising in terms of how we are there. But let me just spend a, a moment, lastly, on um, on the Ashland bill. We have reached uh, uh, we are we have reached an agreement with the county about how we will approach an interim mitigation plan for the ash landfill. Um, I think we're in good stead there, and we will begin the work to to provide the mitigation, the, the interim mitigation efforts that the county deems necessary, and that will allow us to open the building effectively, safely, um, uh, from their perspective. Subsequent to that, we may be uh, we may need to engage in what will be called any permanent mitigation measures, which could look like two feet of soil over a piece of land out there. Um, so I just wanted to give you a heads up. We're moving in, in, in we're making good progress, um, and we anticipate we'll we'll be in good shape there. Uh, with these kinds of issues, there's always always concern about how it's going to play out over time, and certainly Dr. Powell and I have discussed that. I have not, as I mentioned to him, I have not pursued with council yet uh, the responsibility uh, for that land and and the costs we've incurred to mitigate those uh, mitigate those issues. But that's certainly on my and on my uh, a list of to dos to engage council to begin that investigation. So that I think concludes my report. One more thing. I'm sorry. The Wine Education Center. Uh, is uh, DSA is, is it, we're in final comments there, uh, and we are uh, in the process of hiring a construction manager for that um, that project, 
and groundbreaking has not been announced by the foundation, but the groundbreaking is, is imminent for that wine education center. That would conclude my report. Good evening, um, Board of Trustees and Napa Valley College community. Um, this evening, I'm providing a report from um, Human Resources and Training and Development. Um, as my colleague Christy Iwamoto um, stated, we are in um, reopen our discussions at the table, and we too look forward to continuing the work um, for full bargaining for the contract for the new contract. With our classified professionals, um, we will be sunshining our bargaining interest in the upcoming months with the intent of engaging in full bargaining in the spring of 2024. Um, as my colleague Jacinia um, Coda stated, we did agree upon a pilot telecommuting program and we have received interest. For more information, including an FAQ, you can go onto the HR website um, for additional resources. Open enrollment for those of you who need additional information. We are busy. We're gearing up for open enrollment and we will have an open enrollment fair. So please stop by, get some free goodies, but most importantly, get information to make important decisions. We're also going to have a flu clinic on October the 12th. Human resources, we have been working diligently for the entire semester. I would think it started last semester, actually, um, with our Lucian consultants, looking at the resources that we've been provided and how we can improve upon our system. So that includes position control, that includes um, implementing um, uh, making improvements in how we capture um, our accruals for vacation sick leave. But one of the things that we're so excited about, because this is all done manually right now, is our leaves. And so we look forward very soon to be able to make an official announcement that we'll be able to submit and get our leaves approved electronically, because this is all done by paper and one individual right now all data entry. So this for us is exciting. I know some of you are looking at me going, really, Charles, that's what you're going to report tonight. If you were the one doing the data entry for the entire campus, you will understand the significance of this. Training and development. We have been very, very busy. Um, this semester, we started off by providing um, professional development days for our management group. We started with our management group because that's where a significant amount of change around the reorganization occurred. We started um, already with the focus of DEI. And the reason why we started that is because we're creating a foundational learning so that we can continue with our hard skills for our managers with an equity focus. And so we, um, we've had two days and we will continue um, with two more and then move on to professional development as it pertains specifically to our roles as managers. We look forward to working with our classified professionals. We're developing four professional development days also for them. Um, we look forward to creating a program, an equity ambassador program. And we also look forward to working with them to um, energize um, our efforts and supporting our classified professionals um, 
on the program here in campus. And so we just had a conversation today with the Classified Senate, and we look forward to partnering with them and providing excellent resources around uh, professional development. We have six employees um, that will be um, participating in a year-long program leading from the middle. This is an excellent program that is facilitated by the RP group, and it's funded by our chancellor's office. And so we um, have gone through and actually identified um, leaders on our campus who not just show up, they're always present and always wanting to do more for the college. And so we look forward to working with that group. Um, they will be working on a project for the college. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those outcomes will be. Um, we have offered selection committee training, and for those of you who are not aware, selection committee training, the format has been changed, and we are focused on DEI, equity, and hiring with that lens. Um, we will be offering an EEO training um, later in the September, and moving on to recruitment. So recruitment has been fun as of late. I'm gonna focus on the very last bullet there. We are currently piloting blind application process. Let me explain. Normally in our application process, you get the resume, the cover letter that has a person's name, you have information on even, you know, the dates when a person went to school. And when you get these things, you, you look at someone saying, like me, Jaro Gabaran. Now, I'm sure that at the time when I applied, you didn't know what you were getting. You had something in your mind until I walked through the door and you're going, that is not what I expected. Not at all, especially once I opened my mouth and started speaking. Well, blind application our selection committee, they actually get the application. They don't get the resume. They don't get the cover letter. We give our applicants specific instructions to put all of that information into our application. Our selection committee gets to see the application, no name, just an applicant number. And so we're piloting this process with our administrative confidential positions and our classified professional um, positions. And so far, just for the past couple of months of piloting this, I can tell you, I am seeing a significant difference in the number of monitor groups reaching interviews than before we actually began using this. I don't have enough data, but I will be coming back March of next year with data to show you if this actually works. We decided not to pilot this with the faculty recruitments because faculty recruitments are different. We have equivalency, the need to see the, um, the, the transcripts, and we currently we do not have a way to automatically redact information so that we're truly looking at education and experience. But once we pilot it for the other two constituencies, I look forward to having conversations with the Academic Senate on how we can implement this for our faculty recruitment. And that is my report this evening. And congratulations, Dr. Powell, and congratulations to our newly minted tenured faculty. Thank you. This would be the moment that 
I choose to have a coughing fit. Um, my uh, my formal report, written report, as usual, will be in the mail to you. Just a few things I want to highlight. First off, I want to start uh, by extending a thank you to uh, Board Board Chair Dodd uh, for the Storm Cup, all the work that you've done on that on that regard. We uh, last count that I heard, we were up to almost fifty or over fifty thousand dollars on the total total haul there. Um, so appreciate your work, your leadership on that, uh, as our students do. I also appreciate seeing Trustee Rios and uh, my good friend Kyle's golf game. Um, you guys are a lot better than I thought you would be. <laughs> it's not to say I didn't think you were good. It's to say that you're that good. Yes, your game was 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 top notch. Um, also want to want to extend a thanks to uh, Trustee Baker, Kishniff, and Olson for attending the evening at the Ruins uh, with me on Saturday night. That was a fun time. Um, really fun time. Love that event. Um, this just yesterday, we had the chance to host uh, NVUSD and their their planning summit. So we had a few hundred students, middle school and high school students here on campus, as well as some community members and parents. And it's a really innovative concept of involving, engaging the students in the future planning for the next five years or so of their, you know, how they're going to engage students and do teaching and learning. So it was really, really great to, to see that in action. And, and we're glad that they chose the NVUS or NVC rather to, to uh, house that event. Um, also, looking forward to doing some work with Trustee Olson on the Black History Month Committee as we move into next year, uh, working in collaboration with some of our community partners. Uh, thank you for that invitation to, to serve and be involved with that group. I'm really excited about our work there. Um, and the last thing, just want to highlight uh, some of the articles you've seen recently, uh, NBC in the paper, one of which was for the new CCAP agreement that we have with New Tech High School. Um, they were actually recipients of some state funding to expand some of those uh, pathway programs and middle college programs. So this is a really, really great event or, or, or great partnership, something that we want to extend out to um, all of the high schools where, where possible within our service area. Uh, because as we know, the, the sooner we can get students taking college classes, the better their chances of completion, um, better their likelihood of actually attending college. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Cabinet. Thank you, Dr. Powell. Committee reports, I believe the only one that we have tonight is from Viticulture and Winery Foundation. Okay, so yeah, we, we did meet yesterday. Uh, even though, even though, uh, yes, Mr. Reeves might be, uh, you know, a little lost there on our timing, but uh, it actually does feel like it was longer ago. But there were a few uh, things that I think were are worth highlighting. Uh, one of them being that uh, Dean Marriott uh, reported about how we now have a wine and food pathway that before it was difficult for students to do that because the classes for each side of this were spread out throughout different parts of the programs. And now it'll be easier for them to, to take all of those classes in this pathway. Um, he also reported that our, our wine club is sold out. And um, our, the final delivery of the last uh, a shipment uh, just happened because Kyle got his wine finally. Um, and we're kind of holding up the whole show. It's been taken care of. Um, the uh, Molly reported that the vineyard replant is going well. Uh, things are growing well out there. We reviewed 
financials or who are running a little bit uh, at a deficit um, at this time. Uh, so if you do have the opportunity to buy some wine, you know, you, you should. It's, it's good. I've actually had, uh, well, I've had my uh, wine for probably over a month now. So uh, I have taken that out and had uh, had the cab and the other wines with uh, people when I go out to either with family or friends and introducing people to, to the wine. And uh, some of them were, I guess they thought, you know, it's student-made wine, but they were surprised that the quality because you tell them you know the students made it and they go oh <laughs> but they taste it and then they're, they're, they're pleasantly surprised um so that's been great um the one thing that uh, mr reeves touched on didn't talk about but uh the opportunity that the uh housing uh project is going to present for trying to market uh, the program, uh, not only locally, but, but you know, out of state, uh, out of the country internationally, and what might be able to be done and help us recruit people for, you know, students for, for the program once we've got the housing, uh, which will make it much easier. So we had a great discussion about potential ways to uh, recruit, um, you know, agencies, organizations to reach out to uh, to let them know about this coming opportunity. So that was, I think, one of the, the great things that um, happened at our meetings. Um, another thing that Molly reported, which I think was great, was because we didn't have the vineyard. You know, it had been ripped out and just replanted. They couldn't do some of their, their uh, work in the vineyard. So she found industry members who... Uh, were gracious enough to let the, uh, the classes come out to vineyards. And um, I think that's a great experience for them. And as she mentioned, a great connection to the industry, um, seeing the students out there and seeing what's what they're learning about and how they're doing. So I thought that was a, another great thing that's going on at the moment. Um, the other stuff is kind of administrative and, and uh, not not really exciting so uh did i miss anything any other exciting part that you remember about jim i i couldn't remember it was yesterday let alone what we talked about but i think you got the exciting parts great thank you thank you very much trustee rios we will move to future agenda item requests i had trustee iverson one i was thinking um, everything that Senator Dodd has done for the college and the district that we maybe look at doing something in terms of we've talked about naming rights, but the welding program and finding some additional funding for that housing. So I'd like to see that discussed. Senator Dodd, not Senator, I said well, Senator said Dodd. Very, he was very clear, trust me. I would yeah. I would be in favor of that. Oh, thank you, Trustee Harrison. Um, um, and I, yeah, uh, it, whether or not you kind of just trying to think of that as an agenda item or, or how to, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, obviously I'm supportive. Yeah, I'm supportive of that. Um, I could not refuse that. Uh, what's up? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Um, 
cool. That's a really nice thing to offer, Kyle. Um, any other uh, future agenda item requests? Yeah, okay. Then we will move on to uh, uh, trustee reports. I will... No, I'll do you last. I'll do you last. No, I'll do you last. I'll do you last. Uh, tr Trustee Iverson, can I can I start off with you, please? Uh, sh short report, but I uh, tended the storm cut. That was really fun. I think that was a success. I thought my team was doing well shooting eight under par, but I think there were some stacked teams. And I think the overall winning score was a 12 or 13 under par, which is pretty impressive. So it was fun. <laughs> something i think that, like, there may there may have been some pga level players out there yeah so it was good though trustee olson yes i did enjoy the evening at the ruins um with the team um and dr mora was there as well we had fun um i think we were our bidding uh table let us pick the second to the last dessert in the dessert dash maybe the third to the last and we got a delicious berry pie despite the fact that we were almost last so it was really fun very cool uh trustee olson or excuse me trustee baker another one. okay so you get, have to indulge me because it's that time of year again um first week of october is banned books week uh, so I'm going to read a quick quote and then uh, just a couple of interesting stats. This is from uh, Deborah Caldwell-Stone, who's the director of the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom. So this is a dangerous time for readers and the public servants who provide access to reading materials. Readers, particularly students, are losing access to critical information and librarians and teachers are under attack for doing their jobs. Bad Books Week celebrates the freedom to read and spotlights current and historical attempts to censor books in libraries and in schools. And just to very quickly uh, kind of discuss a little bit about what's been happening um, in a time of intense political polarization, library staff in every state are facing an unprecedented number of attempts to ban books. And what I mean by unprecedented is the number of books that have been challenged in the last two years has increased by over 1100%. So in the, the of the record, 2,571 2, unique titles are targeted for censorship. Most were by or about LGBTQIA plus persons and black, indigenous and people of color. The theme for Banned Books Week 2023 is Let Freedom Read. When we ban books, we're closing off readers to people, places, and perspectives. But when we stand up for stories and unleash the power that lies inside every book, we liberate the array of voices that need to be heard and the scenes that need to be seen. Let Freedom Read. Thank you, Trustee Baker. Trustee Rios. Well, um... <laughs> My short report is also that I participated in the golf tournament and it was, it was a great time. Um, I hope that we can continue that. Uh, and certainly there, there are things um, for how quickly you put this together and, you know, got everybody, everything arranged. It was great. And of course, then we see other things that we can do, you know, as we, we 
continue to have it, hopefully. Um, and I, I, I didn't see really see Kyle's golf game. So I, I appreciate that you said that mine was better, Dr. Powell. Um, but I'm sure next year he'll, he'll be more competitive. Um, that, that is all. Thank you. Trustee Kishner. Uh, my report is short. I just wanted to uh, extend a personal word of thanks to Janelle Selleck and the people at American Canyon Community and Parks Foundation for hosting the evening at the ruins, um, which was a wonderful event. They are a credit to American Canyon and make our city better. So thank you to the American Canyon Community and Parks Foundation and their volunteers. Thank you very much. Student trustee Alejandre Martinez. Good evening. <clears throat> so it's actually like my first time having a report. So I have some couples. Um, so I had like one uh, student trustee retreat. So I went like during the August. It was a really great grade. I really learned a lot. But I remember like the first meeting I, I went, they were like making people get up each table. I think there was like more than 300 like trustees people. So I was like nervous. I was like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a public uh, speaker, you know, but I think I learned a little bit more. So I had to speak. I met a lot of great people. They taught me some new things. They taught me how to be a better leader in a way, or I also uh, network with them. So I have their info, their emails. So I learned a lot. So anything, I have a questions, I can always ask them. It was a great experience. And, um, I also have another report about um, as a new student worker, I work as a Dream Center. So there's going to be an upcoming event, uh, Undocumented Student Action Week, October 16th through 20th. If you guys, we don't know the time officially, but we do have some local speakers going to come. Uh, like we're going to be working on that, but I'll probably listen. Um, I'll probably send some email emails out. So if you guys want to come in during those uh, days and stuff like that. Like to support it would be great. And um, I also have a memory for SMC. Uh, so we're doing these couple events for the, during the fall. So we're doing this Tommy run. I don't know the one who's doing this is actually the events coordinator and the president uh Priya. I know a little bit of it, but like they're doing the Tommy run. So they want to do this event like people dress as a zombie. So it's like a marathon. So people, you know, like be participating of it. So that'll be something new and exciting. And I know we're going to have this winter uh, winter formal dance before the finals. So it's kind of like a prom. So it's for the students who didn't, didn't like participate during the 2020 because like, you know what happened to the pandemic. So we're going to do this kind of type of dance in Neverlight College. It's called Winter Formal. Faculties are welcome to come and students as well. And that includes faculty to students. Basically, you can bring. So we're trying to like we're trying to test that out. We're, we're trying to test the we're trying to test the water out. So we're trying to like do this spring formal too. But we're going to see how it goes with the winter formals for it. Our best is to bring like as much people we can and see how it goes. And that that's also really important too because we're trying to do as a fundraising for the ACMC because I know like Washington D.C. trips can be really expensive. So we're kind of like trying to see if it's going to work or we'll see what happens. But uh, that includes my report. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, thank you for everybody's uh, help and support. Um, 
Trustee Rios and Trustee Iverson, really, you guys ran from day one. So I really appreciate uh, that support. And I mean, just everybody, there's so many people. I mean, the foundation has provided a lot of support. Uh, Jessica Thomas and um, Emily Booth did a lot of, uh, helped out a, a credible amount. And we just had so many great sponsors. And um, it was just really kind of nice to see everybody come together. And what's great about it, I think, is there is, like, Trustee Rios, what you're saying, there is a, a lot of room, a lot of room for, I think, improvement and greater opportunities with more time after this This just being kind of a first-year event. And, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, we will definitely do it again next year. I think it'll be a lot easier to – just because once you have an example to go off of and a lot of – and, and uh, the golf course where we did it at and, – and, and, Jenny, Trustee Olson's husband was very involved too in helping us get this great Napa Valley play the golf at Napa Valley Country Club too. And also the dad, she she uh, donated her son to actually fill in a slot. Jim Reeves, who unfortunately was was going to play but couldn't had to drop out, but I also had your son Blake join, who's an incredible uh, gentleman too. Um, and trust uh, Dr. Powell, thank you also for being there. So yeah, it's fun, and I definitely hopefully. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a fun, I think, uh, a party too we had uh, afterwards. And so everybody, even if you're not a golfer too, can feel uh, uh, being able to come along. It's a really good pizza. You like pizza, right? Yes. 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 So, um, but but thank you for the, those kind words. And yeah, very, very excited. And please do do thank you, Jessica, and all the folks at the foundation too. If you, you see them, I think they were really fired up and they worked really hard too. And then I also, now it's going through my head is uh, athletic director, uh, Jerry Dunlap was uh, incredibly instrumental in, in a, a lot of it. So I um, certainly want to give a, a shout out to him and Lauren Lee who, who works uh, with Jerry too. So um, with that, we will close it on out. Ooh. The funny part about uh, Jerry Dunlap, who was actually a gym teacher and at Baha'i before he, he moved in college. That's right. So when I was talking, I'm like, oh, I know you. Like, that's where you left. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah, no, you, people know him uh, up and down. Um, thank you for that, student trustee, Alejandro Martinez. And our next meeting is October 19th. I might have a brand new baby girl right around that time. So, which is kind of, is is awesome. Um, so pending, who knows, but I, I'm hoping I'll, I'll, I'll be here. And, and if there is nothing else, we will adjourn at 7 40 PM. Thank you.